back for another episode of the mix which is podcast i don't have anything clever to say after that i was like trying to think of it but i don't <laughs> i don't have anything clever to introduce the episode this is going up on the 15th we'll already be halfway through april will it really yeah no what the yeah. fuck <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> Oh my god. Jeez. <laughs> I, I, mm. You know what? I don't want to think goal about for it. This, my goal for this month is to get a thousand times better at grounding, centering, and shielding. Like, I feel like we've said that before, but I'm, I'm being dropped dead serious. Oh. <laughs> yeah. My, my goal for this month is, um,. More like past life meditations and trying to get in touch with Persephone. And if she tells me to fuck off, then to find out who my patron goddess is. <laughs> yeah, my, my other goal is to like dabble in other different things with witchcraft that I haven't tried. That sounds interesting. Fair enough. But... I actually, speaking of meditation, I had a thought last night when I tried to meditate and it wasn't worth it. I was like, I'm going to have to bring that up the next time we do like a meditation episode. That it wasn't working? Like the idea of like, is meditation for everybody? Mm. That's a good question. I agree because sometimes it just feels that way. Like I'm like, I don't know if I should, I don't know. I feel like... I feel like maybe the form of meditation that we've been taught is meditating isn't for everybody, but there's a form of meditation out there that everybody can use, you know? I think I talked about it, like, some people meditate by working out and some people meditate by, like, doing yoga. Not yeah. all of it is, like, stationary meditation and stuff like that. I just feel like, I, what I thought was, like, why do I make more progress, I feel, when I kind of do, like, journaling mm-hmm. than I do if I sit here and meditate? It's fair enough. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> but anyway, that's not what this episode is about. <laughs> you start us off. I do. I do. I am talking about um, worshiping and sacred spaces which I'm just going to refer to it as a sacred space, not a worshiping and sacred space. That'd be a lot of words all the time. So, (laughs) sacred spaces. A sacred space is a designated space in your home or the outside world where you go to pray, meditate, reflect, perform your craft, etc., etc., etc. Basically, you have a place for when you work and you have a place for when you cook, 
uh, for when you bathe. So with that kind of logic, it makes sense to have a place to be spiritual. And helping or helping (laughs) having a separate space for this activity helps to like signal your body when you're in it that it's time to settle in for your spiritual practice or related things and i know what some people are gonna say they're gonna say i don't have space slash a room to do all that that's fine it doesn't have to be like a whole ass room or even in your house like you can do it outside that's fine um, right. like most of the places you see on Instagram are going to be like full rooms full of plants and crystals and candles and that's great and that's a goal to work for later on but obviously not all of us and not a lot of us can be doing that we just don't aren't financially in a space where we can do that or like family wise you have kids so all your room is basically taken up by your children I don't know. I kind of don't have that goal. Whenever I imagine myself owning a house, I imagine myself doing all that, like, everywhere. Oh. Yeah, no. (laughs) For me, I do have, like, a specific goal to have specific places to do things. For for me, but... Well, I mean, like... Your your house is going to be your, like, spiritual place, period. Yeah, the whole house. But, like, (laughs) I do think of designated, like, pockets. Yeah. But I just don't imagine, like, a whole room. Yeah, it's a lot. I do still straight up want a library, though, in my house. Bro, honestly, though, a whole-ass room just dedicated to books. Literally, you open it up, and it's just a library. Straight up. Books. <laughs> books. Uh... <laughs> Um, so an at an altar acts as a sacred space, um, and it's it's why you don't put your keys or your phone or other mundane objects on it. Like that's specifically meant for your crafty place. Now who's being eloquent over here? <sighs> So, to be honest, I kind of imagine it the way we had it in our previous apartment. Yeah, like a that like a shelf. center point. Yeah. Which works because I was just about to say something about that. <laughs> Go on. Uh, so an altar and sacred space acts as a spiritual center to focus on being like whatever. It's it, it's a spiritual center. So for us in our old apartment, our altars were basically in the center of the apartment. Like in a center space on um in an alcove that we had. Yeah, it was on a shelf. Yeah. Cabinet. No sacred space is alike. No two sacred spaces are alike. And as such, it's going to take different forms for everyone. Um, mine is my closet currently because it helps uh, it helps me when I feel kind of small and safe. So being in an enclosed space kind of uh, centers me. But you could also have it as simple as like a pillow and a blanket that you pull out specifically for when you meditate or 
like a tree outside of your house that you sit beneath. Or it can be as grand as a whole ass room that you decorate to your exact standards. It really just depends on you as you as a person. Like we've already given an example. Ryan kind of wants her her whole house to be that kind of area, but I would prefer to have like a separate room that I go to specifically to do these things. Uh, the one thing that I will say is that your sacred space should be quiet and uh, kind of away from like heavy traffic in your house, especially if you have children. Because it, it's supposed to be there for you to calm down and not be anxious and to let your mind settle. But if you have like children running through and people trying to talk to you and all this music and loud noises going on, you're not going to be able to do that. So just <laughs> find a back corner, sit in your walk-in closet if you have one, sit in the bottom of your closet if you don't have a walk-in closet. <laughs> just any anywhere that's going to make you calm down and not feel anxious or need to be up and going and doing something at all times. In your sacred space, you can include stuff that's like meaningful and uh, makes you envision the future. So things like a vision board, postcards, travel souvenirs, family pictures, uh, devotional statues, the list goes on. Also, another thing that I saw to include in your sacred space is um, a journal, or this could in, uh, this could also be your grimoire or book of shadows. And that's what I have on spa sacred spaces. It's pretty pretty easy, simple topic. Short, short boy. Short boy. I also have a short boy. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel, uh, circling back to what you're talking about, I do feel a little bit congested because I don't have a sacred space right now. So I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling like my tarot reading that said, you should have a sacred space. I'm like, I know. Okay. <laughs> I know, I get it. I know. <laughs> but I, honestly, it would have been cool if you would have did that when I would have did the fourth house because then they would have been coincided. <laughs> I bring you the fifth and the sixth house for astrology. <laughs> astrology? <laughs> astrology. That's so, what it's called now. Yup. It's the only thing I'm ever going to refer to it as anymore. Astrology and witchuals. <laughs> witchuals. <laughs> Silly wabbit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the fifth house is considered the house of pleasure sorry I just got distracted by people walking by oh <laughs> I was like hello so the fifth house is ruled by Leo and the sun me <laughs> you me <laughs> so this house encompasses Creativity, play, and leisure. 
and our activities here bring joy and light. It is our house of our hobby and what we like to do for fun. Mm. The fifth house also speaks to procreation and children, as in literally, and it also speaks to our own inner child. So if you need to do some inner child work, please look at your fifth house. Well, you can look at your fifth house, rather. You don't have to. (laughs) The fifth house speaks to the idea of legacy, of creating something long-lasting, which is also why children. Yeah, I was about to say, that makes sense why the children are there. Children. Children. So, because it speaks of children and procreation, and as I said, it is the house of pleasure, it also speaks of lovers and romance. It is the aspect of a relationship that arouses passion within us. So, the seventh house is, like, the serious house. The seventh house is the house of relationships, as in marriage, like, your life partner whoever that may or may not be. The fifth house is just the people you date. Basically. Cool. So I can thank my fifth house for all my failed attempts. The seventh house is considered the house. We're not there yet, but the seventh house is considered the house of the other. So it is where our shadow lives and it is where our people other than us. The first house is us, the seventh house is everybody else. (laughs) The fifth house is lovers, so people you date, the kind of people you attract or are attracted to, yada yada. The eighth house is the house of intimacy. So whereas this is like casual sex, whereas the eighth house would be attached to your seventh house. That's how you view intimacy. Because that is not always about procreation. Intimacy is Emotional, spiritual, all that. But they're all houses you can look at for, like, love. Basically, is what I'm getting at. <laughs> yeah. But this is just the house of, like, dating. Basically. So, gambling and risk-taking in the pursuit of pleasure live in this house. As well as fun and games and hobbies, like I said. So, I say gambling. It says... I wrote risk-taking in the pursuit of pleasure because I like the way that was described when I read it. But it could also be the fact that, you know, you may not gamble. If you have, like, Capricorn here, you're not a gambler. You don't take risks. But if you have, like, Sagittarius here, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Rip to your wallet. Rip to you. You're the type of person who skydives and spends the big money and like bungee jumps and that'd be you. <laughs> um, this is the house of play for the purpose of emotional enrichment and pure pleasure. It's just the fun house. The fun house. This used to be a fun house. <laughs> <laughs> That's the song that popped in my head too. <laughs> I do kind of think Sometimes it is nice. Um, They say to do this for tarot, too, to, like, put it to something that, like, for you. I always think of the Queen of Wands as Wonder Woman. Um, This house I do think of, like, a circus. Like a circus tent. I always just see, like, a circus and clowns and stuff. This is the fifth house to me. (laughs) That's what it makes me think of. So, 
I will do what I did before and liken it back to my own. Uh, my fifth house is ruled by Pisces, which is a very good placement to have a Pisces house. But um, anybody who knows me knows. knows. <laughs> <laughs> anybody who knows me knows how I view pleasure. <laughs> I have right here. This is right here. With a fifth house in Pisces, a person definitely has a talent that needs to be discovered and used. In Pisces is ruled by um, Jupiter and by Neptune. So if you also have Pisces here, it would definitely mean you may um, have some artistic talents. You may be really artsy fartsy, like some artsy ha ha habits, hobbies, <laughs> or habits, you know, a Freudian slip. <laughs> uh, Pisces here. Or a water sign here, maybe that you tend to like. Pisces here says that you tend to see people in your lovers with rose tinted glasses. Pisces is the dreamy sign. Um, so there's that. If you had, if you have a fire sign here, you may have a lot of lovers, date a lot, fall in and out of love, multiple callers at one time if you have an air sign here you may be interested in like uh intellectual pursuits or maybe like you like to do you like to play chess you know checkers long caller stuff like that <laughs> poker you may like to gamble if you have an air sign here but you may like be one of those people who like to do it like competitively like, you sit at the table and put all the chips on the table, and you're like, I'm, I'm ready to go. If you have an earth sign there, you may be more like like to do, like, DIY stuff or crafts or stuff that you can, like, touch, gardening, cooking, sewing, woodwork, maybe, like, a mechanic. You have to, you can use your hands for stuff. Having a fire sign here means you like to do sports, probably. Or, I can't think of it. <laughs> like, all I can think of is sports. <laughs> well, like I said, I mean bungee jumping, but you, like, um, adrenaline stuff. Racing cars, you might like to go to, like, um, if you have, like, an air sign or a fire sign here, you may like to go to carnivals. I just said circus. You may like to go to carnivals and, like, play all the games and stuff. If you have like a, if you have your Venus in here, you might also like to do that because you like to win stuff. <laughs> you want the stuffed animals and stuff. That's what you want. Me. <laughs> <laughs> but having Pisces here, because there's some Venus Venetian energy here. You have Taurus here. You may like to do like um, painting or like you like to bedazzle stuff, flowers. We just had an episode about flowers. You may like to do stuff with flowers, make perfumes, go shopping. I definitely like to go shopping, like window shopping. I don't even want to buy anything. I just want to go. <laughs> I will say if you have Scorpio here or if you have Pluto here, you may have a very wounded inner child. If you have Chiron here, you may have a very wounded inner child. So be uh, wary of that. I have Jupiter in my fifth house as well. So if you have Jupiter there, if you have Venus there, you may also be very lucky with money. You may win a lot when you gamble. 
if you have Saturn there, you may not ever win. So maybe don't gamble. <laughs> ever. <laughs> if you have Mars here, you may be very like impulsive. So maybe be wary of that as well. This is considered also the house of good fortune. Because the sixth house is considered the house of bad fortune. But that sounds negative because there's actually nothing really bad about this house. The sixth house. It just... It's where you can, like... It, it's the house of uh, health is what is considered. So the bad fortune could be, like, if you're going to get sick, this is where it is. If you're going to get a disease, this is where crises are. Reversals of fortune, so bad fortune. If anything kind of unlucky is going to happen to you, it's going to be, that's going to be found at the sixth house, so sorry. But hey, we all have a sixth house, so. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have Saturn in my sixth house, so um, pray for me. <laughs> <laughs> Saturn feels very at home in this house, and I don't know if that's good for me or bad for me. What an instigator. To be dead serious. <laughs> Okay, I haven't done the planets yet, but Saturn is kind of a karma planet. Saturn and Pluto are kind of karma planets. They make you look at yourself. And they make you go through trials. So I don't know if this is good for me or bad for me that Saturn is in a house where it feels okay to be in. But. But. Yep. <laughs> but the sixth house is ruled by Virgo and the planet Mercury. Hence why it's the house of health. Virgo is known to be like the caregiving sign, the doctor sign, more, more like the nurse sign, not even a doctor sign, but like a nurse sign, caretaker sign. Anyway, <laughs> so the sixth house is the house of work and service. It's going to show what the daily grind feels like to you and the adjustments you can make to improve it. This is where your attitude towards work lives. And not work is in career, although I do like to look at my sixth house for some of that, but actual literal work, physical labor. The sixth house also describes health as daily maintenance. <laughs> this house will show what kind of daily workout or health regimen might suit you best. Um, also, our relationship to those who serve or work for us. So this is the house of employees. This is the house of like waiters and waitresses. Like, um, I just thought caddies. I'm not watching golf, but caddies or like um, um, bellhops. That's what I'm thinking. Like people who work in hotels and help you with your bags. Mm. Stuff like that. <laughs> That's where these people live. The people... I mean, if I said under us, I mean it, like, not literally, like, not derogatorily, but I do kind of under us. So people who do things, you know, for you. people you tip, taxi drivers, you know, <laughs> people you, you ask to do a service. It also describes how we serve others and what this feeling invokes in us to serve others. It is also where routines, rituals, and chores live, and how you feel about those, and as I said, crises, illness, and the reversals of fortune, along with diet, fitness, and hygiene. So this is the mundane house. This is the everyday house. This is literally your day-to-day -day life house. Boring house, to be honest. 
<laughs> boring house bumped up so, right next to the fun house. Yeah, we have to go from the fun house to the not so fun house. If if the fifth house is a circus, the sixth house is the hospital. Oh. But not even the hospital. It's like a clinic. Because the twelfth house is the hospital. But <laughs> this is your checkup house. This is the house where you go, how do I feel today? And mine is in Aries. So I'll just start by saying I don't work well with others. I don't <laughs> like being in service to others. I am not disrespectful of those in service, but I have no intention of serving anyone ever. And I'm dealing with that. (laughs) (laughs) The only constant in this world is change in other humans. So (laughs) you got to learn how to get along. I will say, though, having a fire sign here means that you tend to be independent, that you want to work on your own. But I will say that doesn't necessarily mean you're an asshole. The Sagittarius's are very nice. Like, they're a nice sign. So if you have Sagittarius here, you may be very independent, but you are probably, like, the least of an asshole. To be dead serious. If you have, this, since this is a house ruled by an earth sign, if you have an earth sign here, just general, like, you're probably very steady. You like a routine. You don't mind work. If you have Taurus and Capricorn here or Virgo, you do not mind doing work actual physical work you don't mind doing it you don't mind sort of like the day-to-day everyday grind it doesn't bother you too much depending on what planets you have in here because i have mercury in here which sucks if you also have mercury here even if you have an earth sign it means that you might um get anxious a lot or get bored easy just because because mercury is the the woo sign this is a woo planet it's the it's the planet that like can't sit still. To me, it's like if Mercury could vibrate, it would. <laughs> Mercury's the if little Mercury kid could vibrate on a bus. Mercury is like the Chihuahua planet. Oh my always shaking. <laughs> <laughs> it also means you know I'm an overthinker. So if you have Virgo or Gemini or Mercury here, you may be prone to that sort of like anxiety. Um, if you have Uranus here, you may also feel that way. If you have Mars here, um, depending on the sign, you may be very, like, initiative-taking. You may not like to sit still. If you have Mercury and Mars here, you're not a person who sits still. If you have Jupiter here, you're probably... It probably negates the bad fortune part because Jupiter is the sign of the planet of good fortune. So that may be a good placement. You may be lucky. (laughs) As I said, I have Saturn here. (laughs) So if you have Saturn here, I don't actually have this problem because I think it's because I have it in the sign of Aries. But if you have Saturn here, you might get sick a lot. If you have the moon here, you might also get sick a lot. Since those tend to be kind of cold planets or like closed off planets. Maybe you have sinus problems. You may have like, can you get congested a lot. If you have Mars here, you may get um, hot a lot. Or if you have a fire sign here, you may get hot flashes or you have fevers or headaches. If you have Mercury here, you may also have headaches. If you have Venus here, you may have chest problems. Maybe you get heartburn a lot. 
or actual heart problems. For that, I'm sorry. <laughs> For that, I am very sorry. <laughs> but you may. Or you may um have, like, asthma. Anything to do with the chest. I'm looking at my own chart trying to think of planets. Sagittarius, it could have to do too, if you have to do with um, signs in the body parts that they rule, that could have something here. Aries rules the head, meaning you could also have headaches if you have Aries here. Hi. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> Capricorn rules the feet. So if you have Capricorn here, you may have like feet problems or have uh, achy feet all the time or like hangnails. Stuff like that. Maybe knee problems. You may have crank, uh, <laughs> like cranky knees or achy knees. They may pop all the time. If you have Sagittarius here, Sagittarius rules the thighs and the hips. You may have hip problems. Um, you may pop in your hips all the time. You may be clumsy. Could be clumsy. You have Sagittarius here. If you have Scorpio here, you may, if you are a... You, if you have a uterus, you may have feminine health issues because that's what Scorpio rules. Although this is not hard and fast because I have that and my Scorpio ain't nowhere near that. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you may, but it, you know, you may have um, some issues. You may even have issues with having kids if you have Venus here or Scorpio here. Or Pluto there. Pluto is the planet that rules sex. You may have intimacy issues or things of that nature. Libra rules the, I'm trying to think of more signs. Libra rules the kidneys. You may have, you know, so stuff like that could pertain to this planet, to this house. It's part of me, planet. We're not any planets yet. Thank God. So also with work, I have Venus here. And so if you have Venus in your sixth house, you may need to have, if you have Venus or if you have Taurus and Libra here, you may need to have like a harmonious work atmosphere. You don't do well with fighting and drama and the gossip. Well, no. <laughs> no, sir. You may also feel that way if you have Jupiter here, since Jupiter is like the happy, happy, the happy go lucky <laughs> planet. <laughs> happy. If you have Saturn here, since Saturn can be a bit negative, you may have um, a good work ethic. You may be somebody who can like dig in and work for hours and hours and hours until it's done. If you have Mercury here, you may want to do like, you may be the person who does like data sheets. Or you may journal stuff. You may like to make to-do lists. Although me having Aries here, uh, it, it told me, don't do that. <laughs> you ain't down. He said, "Don't don't plan out your day, because because you're not down." So if you have a fire sign here and air sign here, you might not like to plan out your day. That may not be beneficial. But if you have an earth sign here, that may be beneficial to you to do that. Not necessarily that you're going to follow it, but it just may be nice for you to see, like, okay, this is what I would like to do today. <laughs> this is what I have planned for the weekend. This is what I have planned this month. Maybe so you don't forget. Because I feel you there as well. 
if you have Capricorn here, you may also never get sick, really. Capricorn is very much like a steady of the, the steadiest of the Earth signs. As I'm thinking about it, it's like, yeah, if you have Capricorn here, you may also not get sick. That may not be it for you. <laughs> Everyone else could be sick, and you're just like, I'm chill. I'm just here. I'm chill. If you have allergies, granted, I can't think of where what kind of placement that would be, but if you have allergies, I would live in this house. So sorry. <laughs> Blame your natal chart. <laughs> also, if you have a fire sign or an air sign or Mars or an active planet like Mercury or what have you, you may need to do something every day, like yoga or running or swimming or something. If you don't, bro, your body's like, bro, I can't. If you have Taurus here, people call you lazy. If you're like that Taurus who has the stereotype of being lazy, if it's in your sixth house, that's why. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry for you. <sighs> but if you find I am a Taurus son, so if you're a Taurus and you're reading the thing and you're like, I'm not lazy, it's probably because you don't have a placement there in your sixth house for you to be lazy. Because I definitely feel that way. I have a stellium here, and I have Aries here, and literally, I just don't feel like I'm the laziest Taurus I've ever met. Some people, some of those Tauruses can sleep all the time, and sometimes I have days where I'm like, bro, what? Nah, fam. If I'm doing that, it's called depression. <laughs> and somebody needs to come get me. <laughs> That's how I know I'm becoming depressed. We just talked about this. Yeah. That is how I know, because if I'm sleeping all the time, that means something's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the fifth and sixth house. They're kind of, it's funny that they kind of go together because it does sometimes feel when doing the houses, not that they don't go together, but like opposite houses have similarities, but not really like next to each other that they do. Like the first house isn't like the second house, isn't like the third house, but these ones are very similar. Like yin and yang. Good fortune, bad fortune. Mm. Really, really fun house. Really fucking boring house. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I have. Hmm. What, is, what media do you have for us? I have another book. This one is nonfiction. Yay. Yay. And I don't actually remember if we've talked about it previously. But it's, uh, I want to say it was the first book I ever bought related to witchcraft. And it's called Practical Magic by Nikki Van Dekar. Yo, I have that one. Yeah, we both have it. It's a, it's a pretty great book. Like, it's a, it, it's a good beginner's book because it has kind of a little bit of everything. It talks about uh, crystals and how to charge them and whether, like, how their energy changes depending on whether they're tumbled or chunked or whatever else. Uh, it gets a little bit into chakras and I want to say it gets a little bit into spell casting, but don't quote me on that. I know it talks about palmistry a little bit. It has auras in it. Yeah. So it, it's got like a little bit of everything. It's, it's, it's nice. It's a nice beginner's book. I enjoyed it. 
I like the fact that it looks nice. Yeah, it's very pretty. Yeah, cause, like it's like easy reading. Like it's not like reading a textbook. Yeah, that too. <laughs> it's not like chunks and chunks of text that just keep going and going and never end. Seriously. I remember you were really into palmistry when we first started. I'm still into it, but, like, I just know that I'm never going to be a palm reader. <laughs> Fair. So, I think it'd be cool to get my palm read again and see where I'm, like, at. Mm-hmm. But I really don't think I've gotten anywhere since the last time my palm was read, so. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. Mm-hmm. What do you have? I thought I'd talk about, because the fifth house has, like, inner child stuff. So I thought I'd talk about Peter Pan, because that's literally the first thing I think of. Peter Pan. And I think of, like, child. I love Peter Pan I mean, so much. Peter Pan. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite story. Literally. Every time we would go to Disney, I'd get all the Cinderella stuff, and you'd get all the Peter Pan stuff. Yeah, but it was kind of like a challenge to find Peter Pan stuff because it's not as popular as every like all the other ones are. I yeah. like I feel like Peter Pan is still kind of popular, so there was still stuff for it. But I feel for those people who like the really obscure stuff, right? Like the characters nobody ever remembers or talks about, or like Aristocats, which is such a cute, cute movie, but Disney never talks about it. Seriously. Like, I feel bad if you like an obscure princess. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. You're never going to find anything for her. Or if you're, like, you don't even like a princess, you like, like, Esmeralda. Oh, man. Sorry. Or, like, the princes. If you like the princes, you're never going to find anything for them. Seriously. But realistically... I have questions if you like the princes more than the princesses because the princes are literally two-dimensional. Like They're literally just white bread. <laughs> they have no personality to them whatsoever. They're there to say, hello, I am your prince. I am here to save you and kiss you. And that's it. They're literally just like mayonnaise on bread. <laughs> <laughs> Boring. Boring as fuck. Sorry for so, anybody out there who enjoys and loves the princes, but. I mean, some, you know, if you like um, Flynn Rider and, like, Prince Naveen, like, that's okay. Oh, yeah, that's different. They've got personality to them. Yeah. They were built with personality involved. No, seriously. So, Peter Pan is a Disney movie, as you all know. If my computer will load, I will tell you more. Of course, the boy who never grows up. That's why it makes me think of inner child. Right. If he could be a euphemism for anything, it's literally that. Yeah. The movie itself, the Disney movie, came out in 1953. God, that long ago? What the fuck? Yeah. Okay. And uh, the... um, the first appearance he ever made in story form 
when he was created by J.M. Barry, who was a Scottish man, was in 1902 hmm. in a story called The Little White Bird. Also fun fact, J.M. Barry invented the name Wendy because the name never existed before until he wrote it. Interesting. That's really cool. A lot of the things we know about fairies as well come from Peter Pan. So when you're doing some research, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Some stuff is ancient and some stuff comes from, like, stories like these. You gotta, like, sift through it. This says, he first appeared in Peter Pan in Kensington Gardens, and he was a seven-day-old baby that had flown from his nursery, where fairies and birds taught him to fly. And then in 1911, he published Peter and Wendy. So, oh, this is sad. (laughs) It says, J.M. Barry may have based the character of Peter Pan on his older brother, David, who died in an ice skating accident the day before his 14th birthday. Oh. His mother and brother thought of him as forever a boy. Wow. It's really sad. That is sad. Like, damn. Yeah. It says his age is not stated in J.M. Barry's play that came out in 1904 or in the novel Peter and Wendy that came out in 1911. The novel does mention, though, that he still had all his baby teeth. Right. I think I remember reading reading about that and them like hypothesizing with that that he's around the age of like seven or eight or something like that yeah granted i was already losing teeth by the time i was eight so maybe not even that old yeah i don't know how that was like in 1911 how long it took you to lose your teeth your teethies uh peter pan is also if you like to pull tarot he also makes me think of the fool Oh, for sure. (laughs) Because it says Peter is an exaggerated stereotype of a boastful and careless boy. And I'm like, yeah, the fool. (laughs) Yeah, that, yeah. Him. He claims greatness even when such claims are questionable. Such as congratulating himself when Wendy reattaches his shadow. Wow. (laughs) I'd punch Peter in his little mouth. Such a dickhead. In the play and book, Peter symbolizes the selfishness of childhood and is portrayed as being forgetful and self-centered. But honestly, I have plenty of days where I wish I could still be that. Right. I definitely feel like the more I remember of being a kid, the more I remember being that. Not a dickhead, but not really caring about stuff like that I care about now and not thinking about stuff the way I think about them now. You all know. (laughs) (laughs) We all get it. Peter has a nonchalant, devil-may-care attitude and is fearlessly cocky when it comes to putting himself in danger. Barry writes that when Peter thought he was going to die on Marooner's Rock, he felt scared, yet he only felt one shudder. One shudder. (laughs) He He only scared a little bit. Just a tad. With, his, with this blithe attitude, he says, to die will be an awfully big adventure. My friend, Keaton, had that written in her kitchen, like on a chalkboard. I was like, oh, <laughs> you right. 
She was also a Peter Pan lover. Yeah. All y'all. <laughs> <laughs> All my friends. <laughs> Peter's archetypal quality is his unending youth. Un- oh, yeah. Unending <laughs> youth. For a second, my brain, like, reread that and went, is that what that says? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's it. <laughs> In Peter and Wendy, it is explained that Peter must forget his own adventures and what he learns about the world in order to stay childlike. Bro, you gotta forget? That fucking sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I guess that makes sense because, like, you stop being, like, a kid when you start getting more experience, you know? made me sad same just got really Um, sad it says peter's ability to fly is explained but inconsistently (laughs) because jm barry just went hey i'm gonna change it you know what you wrote it like this (laughs) (laughs) if it was being narrated from like peter pan's point of view it makes sense because he's definite he would definitely be an unreliable narrator it's sort of like if you read comics the joker changes his own origin story all the time is what that makes me think of yeah like peter pan it's like whether you're not even sure if he remembers or not it almost feels like even if he did remember how he learned how to fly he would still lie about it for for sure for sure he would still change it like he he just seems like a fibber (laughs) what a fibber (laughs) he just seems like a liar mouth yeah no yeah (laughs) It says Peter has an effect on the whole of Neverland and its inhabitants when he is there. Barry states that although Neverland appears different to every child, the island wakes up when Peter returns from his trip to London. Interesting. Wow. In the chapter The Mermaid's Lagoon in the book Peter and Wendy, Barry writes that there is almost nothing Peter cannot do. He's a swordsman. He has keen vision and hearing. He's an expert in mimicry. Peter can do it all, you guys. <laughs> it's like that childlike innocence of imagination where you really do feel like that, though, sometimes when you're a kid. Yeah. You don't really, I feel like that's part of growing up, that, that feeling that I can't get rid of, of I'm not good at anything. <laughs> I didn't feel that way as a kid. No. <laughs> a oh, learned habit. <laughs> Definitely. It all it takes is like a couple people saying, I don't think you're good at that. Yeah. For you to start believing it. Anyway. Peter has the ability to imagine things into existence. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jay and Barry. <laughs> he is able to feel danger when it is near. So he has spider sense. My spidey sensing senses. Peter, Peter Parker. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Parker's Peter Pan confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> In Peter and Wendy, Barry states that the Peter Pan legend Mrs. Darling heard as a child was that when children died, he accompanied them part of the way to their destination so they would not be frightened. I like how he's an asshole, but sometimes not. But sometimes <laughs> he can be not an asshole. Sometimes he's not a dick. In the original play, Peter states that no one must ever touch him, though he does not know why. 
Oh. The state... Hmm. The stage directions specify that no one does so throughout the play. Wendy approaches Peter to give him a kiss and is prevented by Tinkerbell, which she also does in the movie. Yeah. Damn, we all thought Tinkerbell would beat a bitch. <laughs> no. She was being like, don't you, don't, don't you, you can't touch him. I don't know what's gonna happen if you do, girl. Wendy. He'd probably lose his <laughs> immortality, to be honest. I was like, what if Wendy just turned into dust? Oh. She just went poof. Oh my gosh, <laughs> she turns into fairy dust? Damn. <sighs> Damn. <laughs> or Peter does. Peter just poof. Jesus. Tinkerbell, we thought she was just being bitchy. No, she was saving Peter's life for all we know. <laughs> of course, the character's name comes from two sources. The minor deity Pan, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the Peter part. I'm literally skipping this and it doesn't say where the Peter part comes from, but, you know, whatever. We just like that name. You, you know, using Pan as part of his name is, like, false advertisement, though, because we all know what Pan does. Yeah. We all know Pan's role in the hierarchy of the world. For sure. And it is not sure. a child's role. Uh, a Pan is not a child. <laughs> he ain't even trying to act like one. Pan's a fucking fertility god. Like, let's let's talk about that. He just wants to hang out with the nymphs in the grass, okay, and play his pipe. <laughs> and I don't mean anything, but I mean a literal instrument. <laughs> Y'all. Y'all. <laughs> also, just like in the movie, the novel also has the Lost Boys and Neverland and fairies and pirates and mermaids and Native Americans. Oh my. <laughs> And Brits. And Captain Hook. And Crocodile. It's good. It's good. I I like I like some Peter Pan. But honestly, literally, the archetype of the inner child. We have not talked about archetypes, and I was starting to get interested in them. Mm. If I had to sit here and think, sometimes I do think stuff. It is stuff like this that can really help. Like if you're just not getting it, because some stuff I don't know feels very like you say the mother i don't need an explanation for what that means but if you say you know the inner child you're just like what the fuck is that what are you talking about it's peter pan or if you're learning the tarot i do think it is beneficial to put the tarot like with something yeah my knight of cups is dick grayson it's nightwing Mm. every time i pull that card i'm just like oh there he is (laughs) there he be (laughs) <laughs> but the fool is Peter Pan. That's what makes me think of. Yeah. Also, we have uh, written some fairy tale stories ourselves, and Peter is a lot of fun to write. Personally, yeah. I think. Yeah. 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 Especially if you do age him up. Oh. Oh man. Yeah. My <laughs> age up Peter is better than everybody else's. I won't hear any other. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the, the, the time that I aged him up, and, um, like... He's a lot of fun as a grown-up. Teenage. 
Yeah, I wonder where that story went to. I hope my mom never found it. <laughs> oh. Honestly, it kind of makes me want to, like, revive it. Talking about all that. Yeah. I know we just, I know I just said in the last episode talking about Spiderwick that fairy tales are dead. Maybe they're not dead for me, though. <laughs> <laughs> also, if you guys don't want to read, like, the original Peter Pan stories... There's, like, a million retellings out there. Seriously. There's the child thief. That's why the trope is dead. Please <laughs> leave it dead. There's the child thief. There's Pan, which is a movie oh, that so came good. out, like... Oh, like Hook? Oh, that's... Oh, yeah. The one with uh, uh, Robin Williams. Yeah. Oh. There's a sequel to Peter Pan. Yeah. It's Wendy's daughter. Oh, yeah, that one's cute, too. But, yeah. So, if you guys don't want to read the originals, there's a there's a million retellings you could also read. Seriously. So, if you'd like to hear more from us and us ramble on about Peter Pan, <laughs> you can find us on Twitter and Instagram just looking up Mixed Witches Podcast. Or you can shoot us an email. Podcast at gmail.com you can also find us at soci- you can also find us on society six at mix which is podcast or you can toddle all over like on over to our site which is mixed which is podcast.squarespace.com i'm not gonna add any more to that you can find all our episodes there <laughs> you're you don't want to go on any of anything else yeah so hopefully you guys got something out of this episode now you've heard mostly i feel like part of this like like a quarter of this episode was just straight peter pan but you know honestly this always happens when we talk about something that we both like yeah like we just go on a media tangent It's okay. It's alright. But anyways, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. When you were young, our minds were getting faded. Did not appreciate all that they created. We're chasing after that witch's brew. Damn, 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 damn. Thinking more, but doing less. Keeping score, but failing at the test, y'all. Chasing after that witch's brew Damn, 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 damn Chasing after that witch's brew You've got nothing better to do Cause you're sailing down Easiest street again Damn X marks the spot Or is it O? Getting high then feeling so low Chasing after that witch's brew Damn, 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 damn
desire Chasing after that witch's brew Damn, 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 damn Dreaming about paradise Play those cards, baby, roll those dice, y'all Chasing after that witch's brew Damn, 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 damn Stop, cause you're sailing down easy street again. Damn, almost within reach, but out of your grasp. The last drop at the bottom of your glass, you're chasing after that witch's brew. Damn, 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 damn. damn, damn, damn.